You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. This is for somebody. And when I mean somebody, it could be for a lot of you. And if it resonates with you, just grab it, hold it to your heart, and just let the Holy Spirit, the rest of the service, minister to it. We're a Holy Spirit church. What's that mean? That means we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. He's with us. He's active. He's moving on our behalf. This isn't uh, just a theory. This isn't rah-rah. We're not, you know, blab it and grab it, name it and claim it. No, no, no. We are about speaking the Word of God. And when it resonates, you hold on to it. Don't let anything take it from you. And when he was talking about discouragements this morning, and you're just singing that song, I could feel the Holy Spirit healing people already in worship. And when I'm talking about healing, it might not be physical. It could be emotional. It could be your heart that's been guarded, started to soften. You may have started, you know, like the frozen chosen. So then you started kind of moving, and you're like, yeah, yeah. And some of you may have got crazy today. Some of you, I mean... When John's up there as a worship leader, raise your hands. Yeah, come on, let's do this. But this is what I'm telling you right here. God was speaking to me. Literally, I wrote this down in the, in, before the first service. But it's out of a, um, 2 Kings 7. And what happens is God can use anybody because he sent Elisha, the prophet, to tell a king, hey, this is what's about to go down. And the king's second in charge said, yo, I don't think that's possible. That was modern day. He's like, no, nah, I don't think Elisha's up. It is, it's, it, it, it is as you say it is. If you don't believe it, then someone else is going to receive that blessing. So go on. God, if he wants to bless somebody, he's going to bless anybody. But what I love about it, I'm talking on a series on friendship. And there was four lepers. And what I love about this story is there was four lepers at the gate. And they're like, well, we're going to die anyways. What are we going to do? And what I love about them, even in their season, like leprosy was the worst of the worst back in the day. Everyone looked at you as like judgment like condemnation, you're sick, you got parts falling off your body. You know, it's not a good day. Leprosy back in the day. And there's four of them that go, you know what? Let's get up and go anyways. Let's go down to that city. See, they didn't sit around and have a pity party. They were four friends that all had an issue. They were discouraged, but they didn't give up. They had something stir in their spirit in a moment. They took a prophetic word that was meant for a king that denied it. He didn't receive it. And they said, we'll just pick it up. We'll go down to that place. And as they were walking down, they had no idea. They went down at twilight, meaning they didn't want to be recognized as the leprous people. So they go at night where the, you know, you know what I'm talking about, those people that went out Saturday night. You know, some people look better in the dark. That was the joke, people. All right, what is wrong with you? This is church. We could have a little fun. But you know what I'm talking about? So they went down there at night so they weren't seen. And as they were walking up, they realized no one was there. And they got blessed. Food, finances, probably some Louboutins. You know, they were, they were getting hooked up. And why I'm telling you this is, if they never got up, they would have never saw the blessing. And then they got a little convicted, like, this is too much for us. Let's go back and tell the servant and the king and everybody else. But because of the unbelief, that king died. He never got it. He got to see it because he didn't believe it. I'm saying today as we get into this thing, 
We've got to make sure we're believing. There's too many spoken words of unbelief and they never see the, they'll see the promises, they just won't partake of the promise. But those four lepers that were having discouragement in their spirit, that were feeling sorry for themselves, immediately someone had a vision to get up and those four stuck together and went and got blessed. And I just want to tell you this morning that I want someone to receive that no matter what valley you are in, no matter what you're walking through, no matter what state your marriage is in or where maybe your kids are at, I need you to still believe that God's going before you. Because in that story, those four dudes were walking up and they had fear in their heart, but they got up anyways. Those people woke up, they went down there, but what happened was that entire city fled because they heard an army coming. God stirred up and their footsteps were like thousands of soldiers coming. And so they folded like a deck chair. See, when God's on your side, anything's possible. But if you never get up out of your discouragement, if you never get up to see your breakthrough, you're gonna miss out on all that blessing. So that's definitely for somebody today. You just gotta take it, receive it, go, no. I know I'm in the valley, but I have some friends that I need to talk to that are gonna take me where I need to get to because I know God's before me. Some of you will get that in the name of Jesus. Come on. All right. Thank you. That made it all the better for me. And afterwards, if that was you, come receive prayer on the altar call. Honestly, just come down and get some prayers. Like, you know, I felt that word was for me. I want to break this thing. I want to believe in the promises. It just doesn't matter. Sometimes we need a friend just to help us up. Some, I, I just can't tell you. I've heard it from the very beginning. One drop from heaven can change everything. So if you just came down and got one word, you hold on to that one word, change everything in your life. So now my real message, we're going to drink out of a fire hose here, is title of my message uh, is Wheelbarrow Friendship. Yep. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. No, you don't. What I've realized is we're in this series, Known, and it's about relationships. And I really am most impressed with, um, just as we've been doing this Awaken rebrand, about how deep we've gone on it. What do we really want to be known for? And it's we want to be a church that we feel known in, we feel loved in, wanted, and needed. And it was amazing to hear Pastor Jurgen preach around those things, and honestly, for the last three months, to go with, through it with him on a leadership team and to see it. It has been a beautiful thing to know that we're that church that wants people to come in to be known, loved, wanted, and needed. And so I'm preaching, and this isn't for you know the meek, or if you're you know a newbie Christian, and you still have diapers on. That's okay, but this one's going to be a little bit more next level, as Pastor Samuel would say. We're going next level. And so why do we need to do this? Every once in a while, you know, you got to get in the gym. You know, Mondays, I'm like, man, I have a busy day. I'm going to do some stretching. Most of my morning is just like, roll me out on the foam roller. Let me squeal. You know, just warm my body up for a day. Wednesday, I'm saying, let's just put the weights on. Let's see what this thing can do. You know what I mean? And then I'm like, I can't dry my hair later. I'm like a T-Rex. You know, it's like, hey, <laughs> babe, can you feed me my bagel? You know, it's like... <laughs> No, you can't have a bagel. You're going keto. Okay, whatever. Don't touch me. Yeah, no. But the reason I'm talking about this, it's a little bit like putting weight on, is because we're a discipleship church. And what does that mean is 
really Jesus had disciples and it's, it was his apprentice program. And so he was training his apprentices because after he was gone, he needed somebody to represent him here on earth and change the world. And so disciples, apprentices, we are disciples in this house. It never said in the Bible, go get them all saved. It says make disciples. And what, what, do you, what do you have to do? Well, sometimes we got to talk about real things. We got to talk about, you know, there's a time for an appetizer and there's a time for a steak. I'm a meatitarian, so whatever you translate, if you're a vegetarian, go ahead and plug in right there. Not like a tofu burger or something, I'm not, I'm not sure, but not to be offensive. Tough crowd today, tough crowd. Wow. I feel judgment coming at me already, it's okay. Um, but what I wanna tell you is, I want us to build our life on a rock. And too many times I built my life on sand and I didn't like the byproduct of it. And so as I was really praying about what this was about today, I really feel like God said, bring the friendship. What matters? What's changed your life the most since you've been at Awaken Church? What's changed your life the most? And it was really saying, man, I had to get real with myself, saying I'm tired of what this looks like. I got to be real. I got to be vulnerable. I can't have shallow relationships. And then I really did a study on what was Jesus talking about with his disciples. He had the 12, but he had three, and then he had one. And I just want to give a little breakdown of that and what that looks like and how we can apply it in our life in a real tangible way that makes us ask better questions about, hey, what kind of friend am I? Here's why, I, why, why do I even say all this? Because a lot of my pastoral care meetings, they are, it's just, I'm thinking to myself, Gosh, who's in their world? Right. I mean, if you would have said this to anybody, right. like there would be an answer here. Right. And they go, yeah, I really haven't talked about it. Well, no kidding. Right. Like if you talked about it, you may have had a solution by now. Right. But what happens is the number one thing I'll tell you, isolation. Yeah. And social media isn't helping. Right. Now, why am I saying wheelbarrow friendship? Well, I love this. How many of you watch Free Solo? Free solo? Oh, more hands in this service. Okay, to paint a picture, it's a dude that says, I want to climb the largest rock at Yosemite with no ropes. So if you've just been like, you know what? I haven't felt what anxiety feels like. I want you to watch that movie. Just so maybe you can relate to somebody with it. I sat there. I didn't breathe for like 90 minutes. I was like, Don't do it. Don't do it, man. Don't do it. I mean, it's so stressful. But you know what happened in that movie? And now you're going to want to watch the movie. But what actually hit my spirit was he didn't have any relationships. So whether he fell or not, he's like, who am I really going to impact? He said that. And I'm thinking to myself, okay. So, man, I still follow him on Instagram. I'm waiting for him to show up in San Diego. He's getting an invitation to Awaken Church, and I want destiny to collide because I want to witness to that boy. So just in case he does, you know, miss the cliffhanger, he knows Jesus. But it was radical. So as I was putting the notes together, I'm like, man, that guy was radical. And, and, the, and then it actually went on to say his inspiration came from this guy. So I looked up that guy. His inspiration came from this guy. And it started with this guy, Charles Blondin, in 1859, was the first guy to walk across a tightrope over Niagara Falls with nothing. 
And what I love about it, back in the day, they didn't have social media, so no one was taking selfies with the tightrope walker behind them. You know what I'm saying? It's like, this guy had to promote, so he hired this promoter. They got thousands of people at Niagara Falls, and he walks the thing across with nothing. It's 1,100-foot rope across, 160 feet down into the gorge, and he did it in 17 minutes. Just watching, I'd want to wear a diaper. I mean, I was like, whoa. And then he did it blindfolded. And then he said, how many believe I could do it with a wheelbarrow? And they're like, we believe. How many believe the whole place? We believe. You know what's amazing? He looked at his promoter. He's like, do you believe? And he goes, that's why I brought you. You're the best in the world. He goes, good, you get in. By the way, he had no takers, and even his promoter didn't get in. But you know what? When I was reading that story, you know what the Holy Spirit said to me? How many of your friends would get in your wheelbarrow? And I felt like God was revealing some things. How many wheelbarrows are you in? And I was like, man, I know my wife's in my wheelbarrow. Some of you need to pray for her. It's definitely not boring. But she signed up for this ride because she saw something. She goes, I'm gonna get on, I'm gonna get on that ride. Right. Yeah. And then I was thinking to myself, I wonder how many friends that they would trust me enough that said, I'd get in your wheelbarrow right. just yeah. to do life with you. How many wheelbarrows am I am of my friends that I trust enough to get in with their life, to go on a journey with this wild ride over some maybe shorter tight ropes, not necessarily over the Niagara Falls, but across the street? What kind of relationships are we talking about here? And then I came across this study, and this is straight facts, uh, Harvard study. It's right here for those who don't believe me. I love when I get called out between services and like, yo, what scripture was that? Yeah, I got you. It's right here. What study was that? I got you. It's right here. Come talk to me. Harvard study. 309,000 people were studied and it said the lack of strong relationships increased the risk of premature death by 50%. It said it is equivalent to smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day. The effect of that mortality rate, being isolated, not having deep relationships, is worse than obesity and no physical activity whatsoever. So it's better for you to be large and in charge with uh, no physical activity in your life, smoking 15 cigarettes a day, than you with no friends. So then the follow-up study to this is, what are we going to do about the social media issue? Because it's helping create more and more isolated people, and when they get isolated, they get weird. So, hence... If you were at the Pathfinders breakfast and I was honored to be there and hey, 14 tables from North Campus that were sponsored, props to you, it's amazing. But I love it, but essentially I was showing MRI studies of what your brain activity was doing and sadness you know, and poverty, the same part of your brain, okay? Wealth and happiness, and it also is the same brain. I could have gone study after study, but my slides got messed up. But those that have relationships versus those that don't. The same brain, parts of the brain fire. So there are unhealthy ways to fire your brain, which is like building a muscle. 
and there's healthy ways. And I love it. Our thoughts become our words. Our words become our actions. Our actions become our habits. Our habits become our character. Our character becomes our destiny, or that means where we're at today. So if you don't like where you're at today, we got to back it all the way up and just start thinking about our thoughts. The number one thing Jesus talked about is you got to renew your mind. You got to take every thought captive, but it starts with who's in your circle. Who are you around? So it does matter those relationships that you have. It does matter that I came to a healthy church and it didn't feel right in the beginning because I wasn't right. But after staying in that atmosphere and staying in it, even when I was offended, even when I got poked, even when I got challenged, I said, I like the fruit of that man, of that marriage, of those kids, of that life. I want some of that. And I stayed around. The pain. Yeah, give it up. And I just realized friendships help us develop social skills. They they help us create a reality check. They help us encourage and support us. Self-esteem, keeping us active, positive influence, whatever it is. There are things that we need in our life to make sure that we do not isolate. It talks about even in Genesis, God says, it's not good for man to be alone. Yet he's warning us in the first book of the first you know, a couple days, like, man, I better, get that, I better get that boy a helpmate. I can't leave him alone one more day. He might burn down this garden. But it's so funny. It's amazing some of the conversations that I've been having lately. It's just like, man, we need friends in our life. We're making decisions based on our own set of thoughts, but this is why we have Connect Group. This is why we have friends that to do life with. We have teams. We're, we're a house that serves, not because, oh yeah, we need you to serve. No, no, no. We know that we're a relational church. And those that are on teams become relational. You smooth the edges. You help hear where they're at, where they locate. What's amazing to me is that we only have one book of miracles. Like, I don't understand why we don't have four and I have to bring up a wheelbarrow of book of miracles. Like, either we don't believe that the radical things that are happening or we just think our issue isn't bad enough so we don't need to put our name in there. Or we don't want people to know. See, if you don't want people to know your stuff, why this house? I was that Christian for 30 years that had this on. No one knew what I was walking through. So the one thing that grieves me the most is when I know my brother, my sister, someone that I'm friends with is walking through something I don't know. How do we get over that? What kind of friend are we? So when I look into this, it says the 12, I put it, is greater love has no man than this, to lay down his life for one's friends. John 15, 13. What I love about it is um, Jesus had his 12 boys. And he went and found them. Some were fishermen, some was tax collector, but he went and found them. But every one of them had one thing in common. They all laid down something to follow him. They all sacrificed something to follow Jesus. And they were all obedient. It's amazing that these 12 guys said, I'm gonna, he wasn't looking for a whole army. He just wanted his tribe to do life with. Those were his apprentices. And he said this. And so my question is, who's your tribe? Who do you got in your life that you guys will sacrifice something? That could mean maybe you're going to sacrifice a football game to go help them move. I mean, you're going to sacrifice maybe something that you love, or it could be as simple as, man, I like Chick-fil-A, but I'll go to Popeye's. I mean, these are real things. 
I mean, our friendship was tested when he said, will you watch a Seattle game with me? I'm like, against my 49ers? Yeah. Come on. Come on. But we worked it out, didn't we? And we're, and we're great friends for it. I mean, I give him a hard time about his Prius all the time, and we're still friends. Yeah. Now that I know he owns an umbrella, I'm going to have to give him a little bit more hard time. Who owns an umbrella in San Diego? I mean, there's a mist out there, and it's already a storm warning. My Apple Watch came on. It's like... That's why the nine o'clock low in numbers, like, yeah, there's a storm warning this morning. I'm like, what? <laughs> San Diego, people. <laughs> Have a tribe. What I love about it, though, even in the 12, Jesus had three. And I just want to read this. He said, Have a, he had his own crew. I call it, he had a tribe, then he had a crew within the tribe. It reveals a lot about Jesus' friendships with Peter, James, and John. James and John were brothers, and the three of them had been called to follow Christ while they're out on John's dad's boat. Never know what could happen out on the river. It's in Luke 5, 111. But what I love about this, these three were present for every miracle that the other ones weren't invited to. Jesus invited them behind the scenes to come see some radical miracles that he wanted them to witness. And what I love about it, it's not that they didn't have any turmoil. Peter still got rebuked. You know, he called him, ye of little faith. Why can't you cast out these demons? He said, get behind me, Satan. I mean, Jesus had some harsh words for Peter's, but he didn't roll up, start crying. Jesus offended him. I'm going to take a time out from church. You know, it's like he still hung in there because he was coachable because he realized the fruit in Jesus's life. And he says, I need you to speak into my life. Do we have friends? Maybe not part of the tribe, but do you have your crew that can speak into your life? that could talk to you about maybe they, they see some things. Maybe, maybe they witnessed some things you were saying that wasn't healthy for your future, maybe for your marriage, maybe for your parenting. Who do you allow to speak into your life? I know sometimes you get a little uncomfortable, but it's good for us. I love this. In Mark uh, 537 and then also in Matthew 17, 1, these three also got to go see up on the mountain of the miraculous transfiguration of Jesus. Jesus took with him Peter, James, and his brother John to go see some pretty radical moments in Jesus's life. What I like to tell you is they all actually turned out to be massive leaders in the church that preached the gospel. They were so passionate about it, but they were also part of his crew. Who are you doing life with that you're passionate with, that you're allowing in your life to see you on a Sunday and on a Monday and on a Monday night with no makeup? I'm just saying. Don't be telling me you sleep with makeup. <laughs> but I love it because I believe Jesus took extra care for those three. But I do know that there was even one. You know, John called him the beloved, called himself that. It's kind of like Samuel up here bragging about his umbrella sharing. He was the beloved. But you got to have your one. No, 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 I love you. I love you. Hey, why don't you come to lunch with us too? Come on, it's public, it's public. We're back together. In John 14, 13, it says, the one Jesus loved. But what I love about John, he was the only one left. He was at the foot of the cross when Jesus was nailed to it. The other ones got scared, ran away. Peter even denied him three times. I mean, man, Peter was part of the crew and denied him. 
But there's a lot of lessons in that as well. But what I love about John, he was there at the foot of the cross. He was there at the um, Last Supper leaning on Jesus. There was something even tighter in that relationship. Do you have one of those relationships? It could be your spouse. It could be a great friend. But we all need someone to deeply know us. If we have guarded our heart, if we cannot trust, it's amazing. Yeah, I can't trust that person. I can't trust that person. I would really look at you. Are you trustworthy? Our life is really just a mirror. So if you, anytime I have something come up in my spirit that bugs me, I have to go to myself, uh-oh, what's in me? Because if it's not in you, you cannot recognize it. Go study any psychological uh, studies on personal development, on how your brain works, on how our emotions work. Your rec- like recognizes like. Yeah. Right. Friends of a Feather Flock Together. One of my favorite books is by Nathaniel Brandy. He was the foremost thinker uh, in a lot of psychology, but I loved him because he wrote Six Pillars to Self-Esteem. And he's saying people with broken self-esteem could be at a seminar and they'll find the exact other broken person and they'll find each other. And he says it's not, it happens over and over and over again because of the self-esteem. But God's trying to say, hey, it doesn't matter. If you both are broken with self-esteem, if you're both looking at God, he'll take you just like those four lepers and get you blessed and get you breakthrough and get you whatever you need. It's just don't stay where you're at. Don't look to each other. Look up. Thank you, Mike. I, I appreciate that. I just want to give a couple things that really made a difference to me. Some of my friends, one thing that I really recognize, the thing that changed me the most in this house is the power of prayer. See, what happened was I read this study that over 85%, or 80 something, right up to 85% of Christians, Christians in America don't know how to pray. That's unbelievable to me because they took out like dinner. Like, that's not counting dinner. Like, I'm sure they, a lot of them pray over dinner. This does not count as the prayer. When you score a football, this doesn't count as the prayer. You know, when you stub your toe and you say his name, that's not a prayer. So they took out all the ambiguous, throwing his name around prayers. They're talking 85% of Christian men don't know how to pray. I can tell you I was one of them. Hence, when Pastor Yergo would be like, all right, we're praying for the book of miracles. I was like this. Pastor John would be, he wasn't a pastor at the time, neither was I, and we'd be like this. I'd duck behind him. He'd be like, John. I'd be like, yeah, I got you. <laughs> but I tell you that because I realized there was something missing on the inside of me. How do we have 130 men at 5.30 a.m. on Tuesdays? How are we having over 80 women? Because we're teaching and equipping men that, listen, God's giving you power and it's how to pray. When you learn how to pray, you can get your stuff back. It's like a good country song, but you don't need to listen to it. It's just prayer. Get your stuff back. The enemy comes in to kill, steal, and destroy. You know how to pray to get it back, to pray a hedge of protection around you. I'm telling you, it's powerful. Why do I say that? Because when my friend was in the hospital, he called me for prayer, and I folded like a deck chair. But we got to go out to the river, and we still laugh about it today. But I did know who to call, thank goodness. For the first time in my life, I had a Pastor Jurgen, I had a Pastor Mark, and I just called on them, and they showed up. They inconvenienced themselves because they cared. They were my friend that did it for me. They didn't know John. 
But John got his miracle, which unlocked his destiny due to one man that got inconvenienced, and now he's leading the biggest campus. Him and his wife are powerhouses, and he's my favorite preacher that moves in the miraculous, the power of God, and healing every Sunday, all because of someone that got inconvenienced. And it wasn't even due to that relationship, it was due to this relationship, because I called in a favor to a friend. Do we have friends that know how to pray today? I'm just thinking I've been reflecting a lot because of the Kobe Bryant situation. And if anybody needs a friend, it's his wife, Vanessa. Do you think she needs some friends that know how to pray right now? You better believe it. Thoughts are nice, but they won't change your life. She needs prayer, the power of prayer, real relationships that can stand with her in a valley right now to see her through it, to see her kids through it, to make sure that their destiny isn't robbed by the enemy that comes to steal it. Who do we have in our life that can pray for us? Who in our life can we be vulnerable with if we're walking through something in our marriage? Do we have friends that we're able to say, you know what, my wife and I need some prayer right now. I know, see what happens is we gotta look like, man, I'm gonna have to get vulnerable just like what John Day was worshiping about. But in that vulnerability, there's power because God can move all through the Bible. Second thing I look at besides that prayer for power, healing, provision, protection, I need those men in my life. And so we've developed men's prayer for that. It's the training ground for it. That's what women's prayer is for. The second thing is I don't want a critical spirit. I don't want there to be a critical spirit in my friendships because I grew up around a critical spirit. You know why? Because I was critical. I would sit there and judge the church, judge my friends for what they were going through, but I got healed in this house. And so what happens is I rather, it's amazing how I even look at critics online. I mean, Yelp drives me crazy. I need prayer salvation at least monthly for Yelp. Because some people, I go look at all their Yelps and they're just train wreck ones all the way across. How miserable is that person? Let's choose not to be the church that's critical. Let's love people where they're at. Let's love them through their storm. Let's prophesy life into them. Let's pray with them. Let's say, because guess what? We've all had friends. And maybe they've made bad choices. But what I love about Jesus showed us loyalty, even for you and I, the greatest sinners, all the way to the cross. And we can kind of put that up there because we know that. But he was loyal to Thomas, who even doubted him. And then Thomas turned the world upside down for him. But I love even Judas. He was on the team. He was part of the 12. Would you let a Judas in your life? And he still loved him all the way to the end. He knew what was gonna happen, but he still chose to have him on the team. That is loyalty, that is love. Can we just help prophesy and love our friends through their valley, through their darkness, be there with them in their time of need, to see them when they're broken, to celebrate them when they're crushing it? It's always an awkward thing. You know, everyone can be nice to the friend that's like going through something. But when that friend is like, 10x in your life, man, we stop cheering for them. Man, we want to be everyone's greatest champion. Let, like, it's amazing. Like, let's not have the mentality that we pull others down. Let's prophesy them up. I always joke around, just don't forget the little people. But I watch the critical spirit ruin friendships. And so today, if you just realize, you know what, I've gotten a little judgmental. I've got a little critical. Maybe you thought Katie's shirt was too yellow. That was just to lighten it up, people. You're getting heavy on me. 
I mean, I like it, Katie. If anyone talks to you about it, let me know. And the last one for me is I realized that I want to be around people that still have a vision for their life. Let's help people. And if people need help with restored vision, let's help them get it restored. Let's believe in the possibility that all things are possible because the good book says it is. It's amazing how we can just get caught up in the stuff, but Jesus has given us the example. Don't isolate. Restore friendships. Get some gospel goals. I love it. Jesus taught us to be committed to our friends, that he came to serve, not be served. I think it's so important for us to understand that, well, can't we serve our friends? How do you be a friend? What kind of friend are we? I check myself all the time. I get so busy. I'm thinking, man, have I checked in on my friends lately? Have I called them up to see how they're doing? Because my life's so busy. But when we get so focused on us, 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 maybe one day we wake up and we're like, man, where's all my friends? And the enemy will do whatever he can to keep that carrot out in front of you. And we'll keep running after it, running out of it. We might lose our best friend. That could be our spouse. Might lose our close friends because we didn't make time for them. It's so amazing in relationships, we got to fight for them. If it was all about getting saved, we'd be up in heaven partying right now. But I really believe creating disciples, creating friendships to be the light of the world, to be the only Jesus people will ever meet. If we were the type of friend that we want in our life, guess what? Your friends would be like, hey, can I come to church with you on Sunday? Your car would be packed every Sunday. And that's not the judge just saying, because your life was so magnetic, people would want to be around you. I love it when new people come in. I'm, Tommy and Michelle, I know you're sitting right there and I'm staring at you. You are some of the most loving people that people love being around. You're just generous in who you are, your time, you're loving on people. I watch you lift them up. You, you guys are incredible encouragers. That's why you're magnetic. People are drawn to that because what you speak over their life. If we could have more people like the hunters just loving up on people, don't judge them, just love them. And Jesus emulated that. True friendship is not about what we can receive, but what we can give. What I love it is Jesus came to serve people, but he did it with his friends. He loved people, but he loved his friends more. He made time to fellowship, to have dinner with them, to hang out with them. I just don't want the enemy to rob deep relationships. And when I read the stats of pharmaceutical, you know, depression meds and anxiety meds, and yet the solution right here out of this Harvard Journal is relationships. There is an enemy, and he comes to rob that. And so whatever you need healing from today so you can trust again, that you can let your heart be alive again, even if someone let you down. Even when you go to church, listen, I tell people, man, don't leave your wallet out. This is church. I'm bringing the lost in. If I saw that Louis Vuitton, I'd steal it, and I'm the pastor. I mean, I'd get convicted, and I'd give it back to you, but I mean, I'd, I'd probably still lift it. Just being honest, I mean, don't, who would leave it? Are you testing me? And Jesus was loyal even to the cross. Even if we worked on three things today, our relationships, our commitment, our loyalty, how we serve one another. I'm telling you, God can heal up anything. And if we can't trust, then it just tells me we're not trustworthy. I want to be able to trust people. And we're all at different levels. It doesn't really matter. It's just not this. It's, I love this quote. It's not equal 
equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. So it doesn't mean everything needs to look the same. It's wherever God has you. We all need a Paul to stretch us, and then we all need to teach it, meaning a Timothy. If we can't teach it, we can't reproduce it. We got to start somewhere. Being authentic, being real, let God get in there and heal some wounds up, do some stuff. I, how do I know? Because I am that guy. I came in broken. I came in offended. But I saw someone that loved me enough to chase me, probably signed up for chiropractic care just to speak life over to me that first year. Then like any good crack, he got addicted, but too soon, too fresh. Some of you got that. Okay. If you're new, I apologize. Come back to the five. Katie Duth is preaching. She'll fix that. But here's the one thing. I came to a real church with a real pastor that was the same on Sunday as he was Monday, as he was Tuesday. I told a funny story as I rap is that I'll never forget when he called me. He goes, hey, just want to have you guys over. You know, do you want to bring a bottle of wine? I was like, oh, this is a test. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I see what he's doing here. He's going to judge me already. It's like in the first six months. My heart was critical. I'm like, oh, this pastor's finally going to judge me. I said, well, I mean, if, if you want me to. Of course I do. Of course, yeah, we love Red Bubble. I'm like, oh. Okay, get a phone. I was like, okay. This is a test. I called my mom. Mom, it's so weird. This pastor invited me over to dinner. Asked me if I was going to bring a bottle of wine. Do you think he's trying to set me up? No, what is wrong with you? I don't know. It's like, what? Who does that? So then I went, of course. I'm like, oh, passed that test. He says, you going to open it? Oh, I see. Okay, you want to see if I'm going to drink it? Sure, cracked it, poured a glass. I'm like, I'm not touching that thing till he does. I know what he's doing. I'm a sinner. He's going to kick me out of his house. Yep, you wine bibber. Sure enough, he drank. Cheers. He drank it. I'm like, oh, no. He's a... I left there, and I'm telling you, you think it's no big deal. It broke something off me because I had this religious spirit that was on me and I, I critical and wounded and the church hurt me and pat, like I went in and just that act alone, I got healed. Just that act, like who he was on Sunday was who he was on Monday. I, I think I could do that. And I watched God take me on a journey of healing. If it's good enough for me, it's good enough for you. If all of you could just uh, bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to pray for you this morning. Listen, this is a journey, but I do know this. One drop from heaven can change everything. It doesn't matter where you're at. We, live a, we serve a God that loves you. He didn't send his son to judge you. He sent his son to set you free. He sent his son to heal you. He sent his son so that you could have a life here on earth that flourishes in all that you do. He is a relational God. He didn't send his son to start another religion. He wants a relationship with you and I. And along the way, guess what? He doesn't have a pastor that pretends he's Holy Spirit Junior to try to convict you on your life. He will send the right friends if you let them in your world to be your accountability to be a voice of reason in your life. He will send you the right people in the right season. Some friends are for a season, some are for a reason, and some are for a lifetime. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, 
go to awakenchurch.com.